0: You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast, making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. Enter into a series today, and it's 2020 vision. Now you may have already heard some preachers on the TV or on the radio uh, already talking about 2020 uh, and having 2020 vision. We know what that means in the in the natural, according to our eyes seeing properly. Uh, so for the next uh, few weeks, I want to talk about uh, 2020 vision as well. But I'm not I'm not so much casting a vision for 2020. Or predicting what is going to happen in this next year or this next decade. Now, there are some people who are out there doing that and some prophets that are bona fide prophets. God's given them a word for uh, the next year or for the next uh, 10 years or whatever. Uh, I'm not going to stand here and pretend that God has shown me that. As a matter of fact, uh, for my own life, I don't have a clue. <laughs> I don't have a clue what's going to happen to me this year. And that's a scary thought sometimes if you're thinking in the natural. I don't have a clue what's going to happen for us as a congregation in this next year. I don't have a clue. But that can be a scary thought as well in the natural. But we are not going to think in the natural. Amen? We are spirit beings and we have Christ in us. And perfect love, what does it do? It casts out fear. So we don't have to fear tomorrow. We don't have to fear our future. God has our future right in his hand. So I'm not seeking to cast a vision about 2020, but I will be focusing in this uh, series on developing. Everyone say developing. Say it again with me. Developing. And what does developing mean? It means to go from where you are now to a higher place to go from where you are now to a greater place, to go from where you are now in your strength to a place of more strength. That's what it means to develop, amen? A weightlifter is going into the gym to develop his muscles. And he keeps adding a little bit more weight and a little bit more weight. And he keeps stretching himself, doing more repetitions, showing up to the gym more times than the next guy because he's looking to develop his muscles. Amen? And so I want to focus this year on developing spiritual perception. Spiritual perception. Perception is is defined as the ability to see, hear, or become aware of something through the senses. That's what perception is. Because we can see a lot of things with our eyes, but we need to sometimes go deeper than that and and be able to perceive something. And other similar words are discernment, recognition, realization, cognizance, awareness, consciousness, understanding, comprehension, or sense. So, once again, perception is defined as the ability to see, hear, or become aware of something through the senses. I found a website talking about 2020 vision. And the thing that's familiar to most of us when we hear the term 2020 vision, we, we know that we're talking about our eyesight. So, I went to this website, it's a premier vision group. And this is what it said in answer to the question, what is perfect vision? This is what it says. It is generally assumed that 2020 is perfect vision. But what does this mean? Visual acuity is the term used to describe the sharpness of your vision. When doctors do a visual acuity test, they have you view view a chart from a standard distance and tell them what you see. One of the lines on the typical eye chart has letters that are a size which has been deemed 20-20 visual acuity. Meaning that at 20 feet, most people can accurately read those characters. This is the standard. So at 20 feet, you read them as well as someone at, someone at 20 feet should be able to. It is possible for some people to read smaller letters that fall on lines below. This would be 2015, visual acuity. Meaning at 20 feet, you read letters that most people can only read at 10 or 15 feet. For people who have less visual acuity, they may be 2040 or 2060. The largest letter on the chart, a capital E, which is probably about the size of my fist. If you've ever done these charts, you know what I'm talking about. The largest letter on the chart corresponds to 2200 vision. If someone cannot distinguish that letter without assistance, they are considered legally blind. Amen. Now, all of that can be applied spiritually as well. There are some people who, see, who have perfect vision in the sense that in a certain standard, they see properly. They have perfect vision. And we also know that in the spirit realm and in the spirit world, there are people who might have a, a, a vision that can see a little bit more than that. They can see more clearly than other people. Maybe through the gifts of the spirit. Maybe through dedication uh, or, or a, closer, a closeness with the Lord in which they live. So there are people that can see that. And then we also know that there are people who are legally blind in the church they can't see anything they they're they're basically saved but beyond that they don't know anything else about the lord they don't know the word of god they don't read the bible they don't spend time with him and so they could be classified in that sense as well I'm just trying to draw a little bit of a parallel before we get further into this so i've in that article you we've mentioned the word acuity several times through the couple of paragraphs there. And acuity means sharpness or keenness of thought, vision, or hearing. Keenness of thought, vision, or hearing. So acuity can have to do with our eyes, visual acuity. It can also have to do with our ears, auditory acuity, the keenness of our ears, the keenness to be able to hear. Now Mary has auditory acuity that's very high. Me and Isaiah will be downstairs talking at the table, just carrying on a conversation, and she'll say, no, that's not, no, 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 And, and he'll turn around and go, how can she hear us over there? You know? and, uh, but it's a keenness. It's, a, it's the, the ability to be able to hear something uh, more sensitively than what other people might be able to hear. So it, we can, this can apply to visual acuity, or it can apply to uh, hearing, uh, the sharpness, or the third one is that it can apply to the sharpness or the keenness of our thinking, our thinking. And there's nothing that we can do to make our eyesight better without the assistance of these things, glasses. And neither can we do anything to make our hearing better without the assistance of hearing aids. I have some of those too. So I can see a little better because of these glasses and I can hear a little better because of these hearing aids. All I need now is a toupee. And she told me what you were laughing about on Wednesday. Charity. I use that old illustration of D.L. Moody's that says you can't stop temptations from coming in your life. He says it's like you can't stop a bird from flying overhead, but you can stop him from making a nest in your hair. And they both looked at each other, you know, because I'm doing this. You can't stop him from building a nest in your hair. And they're going, what hair? Oh, boy. So whereas you can't do anything to increase your vision and you can't do anything to increase your hearing without, these, uh, without this assistance, but we can increase the sharpness or the keenness of our thinking. That can be developed. Amen? The Word of God declares this to be true. And let's look at a couple of places in the Word of God that bears this out. And a couple of them are familiar passages to you. Uh, but the first one is going to be Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 through 14. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray over this word and over this sermon today. Let it grip our hearts. Let it get deep down inside of us. Let it cause us to move from where we are to where you want to take us. Lord, let that ingrafted word today yes. just do its work in each and every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Amen everyone who is stuck only on the milk of God's word is a spiritual infant. Now that's not a slam on those of you who may be in your early stages of Christianity. You are an infant in the Lord. You're you've just come to the Lord. Man, most of us would admit that when we came to Christ, we didn't know anything about the Bible. We didn't know anything about Jesus. We didn't know anything about what went on in the works of the church or the body of Christ or the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We didn't know any of these things when we were a babe. So if you're a babe in Christ, that's okay uh, to be there as an infant. You're beginning your walk with the Lord. And we are all infants when we first come to Christ. Amen. Amen. But we are not supposed to remain infants. Amen. We're not supposed to remain there. There are a couple of uh, uh, su- uh, supporting scriptures that I want to give you for that. First Peter, when Peter wrote uh, his first epistle in chapter 2, verse 2, he says... As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, that you may grow because of it. By taking in the word of God, the milk of the word, it will cause you to grow as a Christian. And then in his second letter, when he's closing the letter, he says this in chapter 3, verse 18 he says, But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So God, even though you're an infant when you first come to Christ and you don't know anything about Christianity or anything about walking with the Lord, that's acceptable, that's okay. But God does not want us to stay there. He wants us to develop. He wants us to go to the next level. He wants us to do the next thing. He wants us to see more clearly the things of his kingdom. And we have to grow in that process. So he doesn't want us to just stay spiritual babies. Picture a 15-year-old kid still in diapers, sucking on a bottle. I mean, if we saw that, it would just be an absurd sight, wouldn't it? It would be so silly, we would, it would just be laughable. But the Hebrew writer says that strong meat is for those who are more mature in Christ. A baby can't eat the same food as the adults eating at the table. They have to grow into that. They have to acquire uh, a taste for it, and they have to be able to chew it. Amen? So when a baby's first born, it's drinking its mother's milk. That's about the only thing that they do take in. And then a little while after that, they start them on pablum, which is some kind of like a mushy oatmeal type of a thing almost. Right? And they're able to feed them that a little bit. And then from there they go to the uh, the uh, Gerber's little Gerber's bottles of uh, vegetables and fruit. Amen. And then the first time you put some of those vegetables in that baby's mouth, what do you get? Vegetables back at you. <coughs> they don't like that. This isn't Pablum. This isn't the formula that I've been. Taking in and now it's new to them, and when it's new to them, at first they don't like it. How many of you can relate to that spiritually? Oh, yeah. At first when God's showing you something, at first when God's moving you into something, at first when God's telling you no, you don't you know you don't do that anymore. You are now mine, you're a Christian. At first, when you hear some of those things, it's not very palatable. Amen. And so then you give that baby those uh the, 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 the vegetables, and finally it starts, okay, this is okay, I can handle this, and it starts eating that. And then you try spinach, you know, another, a different vegetable, and the first thing, that, no, don't like that. So you trick them. You put a little bit of the prune stuff with the spinach, then you stick it in their mouth, and then they can swallow it, right? So that's uh, how a child's developing, and the fact that they cannot eat the same good stuff that uh, the solid foods that adults uh, can—they have to grow into that. Amen. They have to be able to handle it. That's why Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, said this to them because they they were arguing with each other and fussing over different things and they were just acting carnally and and Paul equated carnality to infancy. And he said, "And I, brethren, could not. See that? He could not speak unto them as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat." For hitherto, that's a King James word for up until now. You were not able to bear it; neither yet now are you able, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye net? Are ye not carnal and walk as men? There's just a couple of things that he mentions there in that last line: envying, strife. And divisions, But there are a lot of things that we can find in the Word of God that show the carnal nature. But just to look at those three things and think about it. If you see people who are supposed to be adult Christians or more mature Christians acting in this way, it might be indica- uh, indicative of the fact that they're not as full-grown as they think they are. Because they're acting like babies. They're acting like infants. We're seeing that little illustration that I gave you a moment ago, a 15-year-old sucking on a bottle and in diapers. So we're not supposed to act that way if we're full-grown, mature adults and maturing in Christ. Paul says those things there are indicators that you are still carnal and you're still acting like a baby. If you are this morning, grow up. It applies to all of us, church. Knock it off. off. Grow up. Be the man that you're supposed to be. Be the woman that you're supposed to be in Christ. Let's look at another passage that addresses our spiritual acuity. I'm going to drill that, that word into you. The sharpness and keenness of our thoughts and how we can develop that area of our life. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. And again, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know the address of this scripture verse. You can refer people to it because you know of it, all right? Some of you can even quote it, amen? And that's a good thing. So when we look at it today, whether you just know that it's there and we're going to refresh your memory or whether you're able to quote it, that's not the important thing. The important thing is that we're doing what it says. So this is, what I, this is what I want to do in these next weeks of these messages is I want us to focus on the things that God's word says. I want to see things as Jesus sees them. I want to say things as Jesus says them. I want to believe things about myself that Jesus says about me. It doesn't matter what my neighbors or the guys at work or anybody else thinks about me. What matters most is what Jesus thinks about me. So that's what we want to focus on in this uh, series. So Paul says there, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now keep in mind, church, that, that Paul was writing to Christians in Rome. So a lot of times people might read this, get it down once, and say, okay, I'm a Christian, I don't think like the world anymore, and I'm supposed to renew my mind in Christ, and then they kind of just let it there. But this renewing our mind in Christ is an ongoing experience. We're to be developing always. So Paul's addressing Christians. He's not just talking about people who are unsaved. He's talking to believers, and he's saying, you believers need to be presenting yourself continually, constantly, daily, moment by moment the Lord as a living sacrifice amen present give yourselves over totally to God as a living sacrifice some people have a hard time sacrificing this little thing or that little thing for the sake of Christ let alone their entire life And that's what Paul is demanding here. That's what God demands of each and every one of us. Our complete and total life. Amen. There are a lot of people who find that they can't sacrifice here. They can't sacrifice that. Uh, They can't give a little extra time for the things of God's kingdom. Eternal purposes. Spending time with someone over uh, their soul. That's an eternal thing. And there are some people who just don't have time for that because they're wrapped up in the things of the world. And we need to present ourselves before the Lord in such a way that he can use us anytime, any day, anywhere for that purpose. It's a higher purpose. It's a kingdom purpose. And when I present my body to him in that way, I'm asking him to use me for his purposes. People don't want to inconvenience themselves in any way for Christ's sake. inconveniencing ourselves may be interpreted as sacrificial. But what sacrifice, honestly, would we not give or surrender unto the Lord for what he has done for us? Oh, what if Jesus said, go to the cross for your sins? Oh, I don't have the time for that, come on, think of it, flip it around. Because his was the ultimate sacrifice. He showed us exactly what sacrifice really was all about. Amen. I remember years ago, some of you some of you know Richard and Tracy Burroughs, uh, a sweet little couple, a uh, humble uh, couple. and uh, he called me up one day, this is golly, thirty years ago, 20 some years ago. Called me up at home one day and he said, Pastor Mike, I'm at the church and there's a guy here whose relative, I don't know if it was a father or mother, is in the hospital in severe condition and they don't have any way of getting to Ohio. Is there anything that the church can do? And I said, well, I said, Richard, I don't know. I said, you're the church. And the phone kind of got quiet for a second, and he said, okay. He drove that man to Ohio. Amen. That's pretty awesome. Yes, it is. That kind of stuff uh, is high in my heart or in my mind when I think of a person like that. Amen. Amen. You. That, that, you know, that he would just do that. He just humbled himself. He said, you know what? Yeah, I'm the church. The church, a lot of times people come to the church for money. They come to the building thinking it's a bank to get some money. Yeah. We don't want to sacrifice our time. We don't want to sacrifice our money. We don't want to sacrifice the things that we think are important in this world for the sake of the kingdom. What a shame. What a shame. For all of us, we need to think about that. How many times have you ever invited a visitor out for coffee or breakfast after church? No show of hands. You don't have to blurt out, but stop and ask yourself this question. How many times since you've been here, you might've been here for 20 years. How many times have you seen a visitor come through our door and you said, hey, would you like to go out for coffee? Like to get a chance to meet you, get a chance to know you, you know, tell you about our church a little bit. Amen. Oh, I, I, I would, but that would cost me some money. I, I don't have the time for that. You know, I got to get out of here. I got to get to the game. It starts at one o'clock. I want to watch the game. I can't miss the kickoff. Not for the sake of a soul, not for the sake of God's kingdom, not for the sake of building a church, not for the sake of reaching a lost person. Amen. I I commend my brother here, uh, and I don't mean this to puff him up because God knows we don't need any help in that area. But Brother Don, I've seen him the couple of years that he's been here take more people out to breakfast or lunch than I have probably a combination of many of our people. Why? Because he's got loads of money. He can do it. And I know personally he doesn't have loads of money and he's eking by from week to week. But... Out of generosity, he does that. Why is that? To score points in heaven? No, to reach out to people. Reach out to people. That's who we are. As the church, that's what we're supposed to do. I know this is a little bit hard message. And someone might leave the church over it. Like I said, I don't know what's going to happen this year. But I see myself, and I hope you do as well, as a spiritual father in this house. And if the children need correcting, then we need to correct. Amen? Come on, when, you're, when you tell that little eight-year-old, you give them all a little chore, and you expect them to do that, make their bed in the morning or whatever. Well, I've never done that before. No, but you're going to start now because it's a responsibility you need to be growing into. And a good parent will do that. Amen? Two, three, four good parents. Good. (laughs) I said, and a good parent will do that. Amen. Amen. We should all say amen to that. Yes, we will. And so I'm just trying to be a good parent this morning. Some people are still struggling over tithing after 20 years of being a Christian. They can't bring in 10 cents on every dollar that they make every week to support the local churches, not just this church. I'm not just picking on anybody here. But I've been in ministry for 47 years, been a Christian, and been in ministry right from the get-go. And I know I've met a lot of people over the years. That still struggle in the area of tithing. Twenty years they've been a Christian, and still can't tithe. You know why they can't tithe? They don't have enough money to tithe. That's their answer. You got rings. You got watches. You got a car. You got a job. You got this. You got a home and a roof over your head. You got all these kinds of things, but you, but you can't afford to tithe. Really. Can't, yeah, really, we can't afford not to tie this, Christians. But if you're a baby Christian, just don't don't get don't get all upset. If you're a baby Christian, that might be some one of those things you need to learn. Amen. I had to learn it. Many people here would tell you that they had to learn. It. I remember a friend of mine that uh, got saved. He was a good Catholic man, attended Mass every week put $2 in the offering every week and then walked out of there on Sunday and Monday through Saturday night, he was smoking dope, smoking cigarettes, drinking booze and gambling. And he lived like that for many years and then the Lord got a hold of his heart and he became born again. And so he started attending our church and he started putting $5 in the offering. Brand new baby Christian. Christian. But all of a sudden, this this thing of generosity started springing up in him. And, you know, it's like, hey, man, I feel pretty good. I'm born again. Man, I'm. he puts $5 in there. And so he did that for a few weeks, thinking himself to be doing pretty good. Then he heard the pastor and different ones that were receiving the offering talking about tithing, tithing. Different people in the church talking about tithing. He says, what's tithing? What does that mean? Oh, it's 10%. He says, 10% of what? 10% of your weekly wages. He about fell over. He said, 10% of my check each week? Yeah, that's what tithing means. He said, wow. So he had to struggle with that. He went home. This is a baby Christian. You struggle with that. Like the the peas that I said earlier, putting in a baby's mouth. (sniffs) I don't like that. Not going to do that. Not getting my money. That preacher ain't getting my money. I remember I was just a sidebar. A friend of mine that got saved about the same time that I did. He came on a New Year's Eve service. I had gotten saved about the 12th of December. And now we're trying to get him saved. And he's there on New Year's Eve. And we had a New Year's Eve service. And the pastor was given an altar call. He was was holding on white knuckles to the chair in front of him, the seat in front of him. I'm not going up there. I'm not going up there. All these preachers want is your money. And you know what? He was unemployed, sleeping in a tent in his brother's backyard in December because his sister-in-law didn't even want him in the house. He was such a bum in her estimation. And he squeezed that. He says, all all these preachers want is your money. And then the Lord said to him, what money, Jack? (laughs) He said, I didn't have any money, you know? So he made a beeline to the altar and gave his heart to Christ, but, uh, but this brother went home and he had to struggle with that a little bit. and he said, "You know what?" He said, "Brother Mike, he says, I figured this all out." He said, "I used to smoke a carton of cigarettes every week." He says, "I went through a case of beer every week." And he said, "I went through a bag of reefer every week, and then I gambled. He said, "I made 600 bucks in a week." He said, I I realize that I can give $60 as tithe unto the Lord, $60 of that unto the church and unto the Lord in worship and, and in tithing. And he said, and still have change left over. You see, that's a growing pain. That's something that you had to work through. But if you're 20 years in the Lord and you're still struggling in that area, you may think you're an adult Christian, but I got news for you. You're still a baby. You're still a baby. Amen. This presentation of your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, it says. Some translations say, which is your spiritual worship. It's what we do as worshipers of God. It's acceptable worship unto God. Who, is, who did Jesus say the Father's looking for? Those who, Those who will worship him and worship him in spirit and in truth. Yes. The truth is that if God doesn't have a hold of my pocketbook, he doesn't have a hold of me yet. Right. Come on now. So different translations say that. It's, it's our spiritual worship. Verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not let this world or this culture shape you or to shape the way you think about things. You are now kingdom-minded. You are now a Christian. Act like one. <laughs> Amen. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be changed in your thinking. Repent. <laughs> That's really what repentance is. An about face. I used to do things this way. But now I'm kingdom minded. And I do things his way. That's an about face. a so 180 degree turn. That's what the word repentance really does mean. God is saying, from the moment I saved you, I poured my glory into your life. And from the moment that you became a Christian, if you are a Christian this morning in this place, the moment you became a Christian, God says, I I poured my glory into your life. But now... I want to take you from that glory to more glory. Because he has saved us from glory unto glory, unto glory, unto glory. Sounds to me like a Christian who is developing. A Christian who is going from one place to another place. Amen. I don't often quote from this translation, but I thought this was pretty pretty good on this particular passage. And that's the Message Bible. And the Message Bible translates Romans 12, 1 and 2 this way. And this is Paul telling the church what to do. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in, you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you Develops wealthful maturity in you, Hallelujah. Amen. That's what we're that's what we're after. We want to develop and grow and mature to the place that God would have us to be, to the full measure of Christ. Amen. Amen. That's what God is calling us to. Amen. So throughout this series, I'm just laying the foundation today and I hope it's wetting your appetite and I'm hoping you're saying, you know what, I do want to become so much more keen to the voice of God, the spirit of God, the things of the kingdom. I want to be used of God. Amen. Don't let this message scare you off and say, man, I, 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 that, that Pastor Mike expects me to take somebody out for coffee after church? Well, I used to like attending Cornerstone, but now he's putting some real demands on us. He expects me to sacrifice like that. No, I don't expect you to do a thing. But God does. God does. I'll say it again. God does. Amen. So through through this series of twenty twenty vision, we are going to focus on developing. Say it again. Developing. 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 And what does developing mean? It means going from here to another level. Amen? Going from a particular strength to a stronger strength. Amen. Developing. In a spiritual sense, number one, developing our visual acuity, being able to see as Jesus would have us to see. Number two, our auditory acuity, being able to hear as Jesus to hear. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Joyce, uh, Joy Behar, this past year or two, laughed and criticized and mocked our vice president because he says he prays and, and God spoke to his heart or God speaks to his heart and she said, ha, 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 you know, made an open blasphemous mockery yes. on, on nationwide television saying, well, yeah, maybe I can understand, you know, somebody talking to God, but, but God talking back to them? Probably, yes, he does. She says, people who hear voices are crazy people. Joy. Jesus said you can't even hear his voice because it's obvious you're not one of his sheep. Oh, amen. My sheep hear my voice. Yeah. Come on, church. Yeah. My, che- my che- sheep hear my voice. That doesn't mean an audible shaking voice that shakes the rafters and the lights and everything around us, but the inner spirit, the spirit of the living God's Speaking to our spirit causes us to be able to hear him. So we want to develop that auditory acuity, being able to hear as Jesus would have us to hear. And then that third one, our mental acuity, being able to think thoughts as Jesus would have us to think. One of of the things that, that we all deal with is temptations and little things that come into our head. And they can come there so quickly that if we don't quickly get them out of there, we'll succumb to the temptation. We'll flirt with it. We'll toy with it. We'll talk to it. That's what Eve did in the garden and it should always be an example to us in everything in our life. She knew the word of God. She knew what God said, but she decided to talk to the devil over it and thereby talking herself out of the favor and the beauty and the glory of God's paradise. Satan does the same thing to you and the same thing to me. Whispers in our ear and tells us that we don't have to do that. That's not what God means. And we come up with justifications and we try to change things. But you know what? We can develop develop this thing and begin to start thinking like God would have us to think. Amen. All of this that I've talked about so far, and we'll be talking about it more as we go along, all of this will come about in your life and mine this year through one word, intimacy. Intimacy. Intimacy doesn't come, folks, by doing your daily devotion in the morning running through that scripture verse real quick, closing your Bible and running out the door. That's a good thing to do. We ought to do that consistently. I think it's a good thing. Intimacy doesn't happen just by attending church services. Intimacy happens by spending time with someone. My wife and I are intimate with each other. Conversationally, we're on the same page, we're, we're going in the same direction. Sexually, that, that thing that God gave to us as a gift, that's another thing of intimacy. And someone said it this way. Intimacy means into me see, into me see. Opening yourself up and making yourself vulnerable to someone, be able to know your heart, and for you to be able to know their heart. We can develop this thing and this keenness to hear God's voice if we will become more intimate with Him. And God has been giving me some great times like that lately. And I was looking forward to that. When I came into this hip surgery, I knew I had six weeks that uh, I was just going to be around to have some time on my hands. The first couple of weeks, I got to admit to you, I didn't spend a whole lot of intimacy with the Lord because all I thought about was the pain. And I just kept saying, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. But in the next couple of weeks, the Lord was speaking to my heart. And I had some great moments of intimacy With the Lord. Now you say, Well, golly, you've been saved for 46 years. Have you never known that? Oh, we all know that from time to time. But I'm talking about living there. Can you develop? Can you develop yourself to live there? So that every thought that's coming into your mind, as soon as it comes into your mind, if it's not of the Lord, you get it out of there real quickly and you bring your mind and your thoughts right back to the Lord as quickly as you can. How many of you struggle in the area of prayer? That when you get down to pray, you're you're doing real good. You're praying for three or four or five minutes. Next thing you know, your mind's on something totally different than what you started. Come on! Anybody like that? Or or do I just have a brain like that? Because my brain, I mean, man, Mary knows when I I close the door in my office (laughs) and I'm in there spending my time with the Lord, please don't open that door, Mary. (laughs) She knows that close the door. If you're going to vacuum out there in the hallway, please close the door. I, can't, I don't want to hear that. I'm easily distracted. And I just read uh, the book, The Practice of the Presence of God from Brother Lawrence, who was in a monastery, a monk kind of thing. And... Uh, if you read that book, there are certainly some things theologically that you might not agree with him on. Not a problem. There's probably things you don't agree with me on. Maybe tithing. <laughs> <laughs> but it sparked me again. And he, he just lived his life to try to keep himself in the in the knowledge of God's presence, see, we all know God's present with us all the time because He's omnipresent, and we got that up here in our in our brain. But He He went further. He said, "I want to I want to know Him yes. intimately. I want to sense His nearness to me." And He said, not out of obligation or or effort or uh, uh what's the word that I want to. performance. He said, not out of any of that at all, but just love for him. Love, love, love. And that was his bottom line to remain in the love of God. When you're, when you're living like that, you don't treat people badly. You don't talk about your brother. You don't tear somebody apart. You don't criticize. You don't envy. You don't covet. You don't do any of those things. Why? Because you're in the presence of God. You're walking in the presence of God. And he says, and he said his mind was so distracted, so easily distracted. He said, but when that happens, just simply go right back to where you were. No big deal. No condemnation. No fear, no frustration, no, not, nothing like that. Your mind drifts. It wanders. You bring it back to the place you want it to be. That's where we're going, church. That's where we're going. God so longs to hear from us and to spend time with us that he might pour his glorious presence out upon us in such a way that we are constantly being changed. Wow. The God of the universe, the God of all creation, He lives right inside of you and me. He's a breath away as far as talking to him. And yet we so often either neglect him or we allow ourselves to become distracted by the things around us. Wow. And all he's doing is saying, come, come to me, come to me. Spend some time with me. Amen. I'm not talking about looking at the clock. I've got to spend an hour with the Lord in prayer today, blah, 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 blah. This man did not live his life like that. He lived his life moment by moment, seeking the presence of Jesus. Amen.